Dojo, Dynamite 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 Dojo, with Rich and Ashley. Hey guys, this is Ashley and Rich here with episode 7 of Dojo and Dynamite. It is Saturday, November 30th. It's Thanksgiving week. It's been a busy couple days, so we're a little late getting this up. But here we are again with a Dynamite and World Tag League recap. Yeah, unfortunately, I thought this was one of the weaker shows Dynamite's had. And uh, obviously the World Tag League, that's a mixed bag. You get what you get. But for Dynamite, I really just think as good as some of the segments were, as good as the wrestlers were on the card, as good as the matchups were, something was off. It didn't synchronize right. It felt very disjointed. It wasn't that the talent wasn't there. It wasn't that there wasn't some good segments. It just, for some reason, felt and came off very flat. It felt like a holiday show. It reminded me of the Halloween episode where I don't know it was just a little more lax I I also felt that the the crowd I, we weren't there but the crowd didn't come off as strong on TV I don't know how it was in person but Chicago had a lot of wrestling the yeah. past week so it's I'm sure exhausting especially if there was people who went to every single show or just even multiple shows I'm sure they did. Um, I'm sure some of the NXT War Game attendees carried over to Wednesday. Because I'm sure that really the same fan base, the NXT AEW fan base, is very similar. So I'm sure that people who went to War Games, I'm sure some went to War Games and some went to Dynamite, vice versa. But you know what? Five, six days straight of wrestling almost? It's a lot of wrestling. And it was long, like long shows oh, yeah. mm-hmm. that were happening. WWE so. doesn't do short shows anymore. Mm-mm. So, yeah, I, I thought the crowd was the weakest crowd on television so far. And I, I actually thought they tried in the beginning to really get something going. And unfortunately with Jericho, it was a good segment, but with Jericho it just felt like he kind of knew there was going to be so much material he had to cover throughout this entire promo that he couldn't allow for the crowd to get their their words in edgewise because I just think they wouldn't have gotten it done in the timetable that they needed. Yeah, I, the pacing, I guess, was just kind of off the whole night, but... Well, we'll start with our interaction of the week, which I'm really glad that we get. I'm glad that we're getting questions. I'm glad that we're getting interactions from people on Twitter. Uh, so this one comes from J.R.J. McClure on Twitter. I believe yes, that's one, of our, one of our Twitter buddies. Sorry if we mispronounced that, um, but... JRJ had asked us to discuss Shanna and Big Swole's promos from Dark, and then the potential of Jack Evans and Trent having singles careers. So let's start with the Trent and Jack Evans part, because we did touch upon this a little bit in the last podcast episode about how I said singles wrestlers coming off in tag teams. So we'll start right there, since we did touch upon that first. I am under the under the understanding 
that Jack Evans is a singles wrestler also in Triple A, but I know he's with Angelico also, but mm-hmm. I believe that that's why he did challenge Kenny Omega for the Triple A Mega Championship. Okay. So the Triple A, as they call it, but I, I believe that's why he challenged him. Jack Evans has been around a long time. I've known of Jack Evans for a very, very long time. He also kind of did the independent circuit around here. I know he was a backyard wrestler for a long time. So this guy I've known for a long, long time. And I think he's extremely talented and energetic and fun to watch in singles competition. Now, again, size doesn't matter in terms of a wrestler. Mm -hmm. But sometimes with Jack Evans, the way that he sells, which is funny. Sometimes he looks like he crashes and burns. Almost Jeff Hardy-like. It sometimes takes away a little bit of maybe his legitimacy in terms of one-on-one significant talent. And so when you look at a guy like Jack Evans comparing him to like Trent as JRJ did, uh, I, I think Trent, I look at Trent and say, hey, this guy could be a singles guy for sure. And I think they're trying to also show you that Trent has more in his repertoire than just a tag team wrestler. So... I would like to see both of them do more singles action because I think both of them have done really well. Absolutely. Um, I'm more familiar with Trent than Jack Evans, so I'll, I'll talk a little bit about him here. He had the match against Pac. He had the match against Penta on Dark. And next week we have him versus Fenix. And he's just been killing it on all fronts. Um, he's in great shape too. In fantastic shape. As I think we had talked about last week with... The Nick Jackson versus Fenix match. It's really good to give these guys an opportunity to face off one on one, even if they're not going on a singles run, to kind of get them out of that tag team box, showcase their abilities, and, you know, just give them more exposure despite what their win loss record is. And, you know, take that with Jack Evans. What is Hybrid 2's win loss record? I. Off the top of my head, not good. Not good. They're not in the top five. I no, can tell you that. Have, they may have been once. Not at this. Not, not at the recently. moment. But I think um, I, I like that we're getting these one-on-one matches because it, it just gives them a different sense of legitimacy, I and agree. Um, you know can help build connections with the fans. Trent, especially, is someone I would like to see maybe break off and in singles run um, down the road. Yeah, good insight. So the second part was about Big Swole and Shanna and overcoming their adversities. Yeah, so Shanna was on the undesirable to undeniable segment. And before I even get into her, uh, her bit there, I think that segment in general is really important, especially because a lot of the people they're showcasing right now, I think in general, the larger audience may not be all too familiar with them. So if you catch it on Dark, you know, it's just a little way to get that background story that we don't always have time to see on Dynamite. I really liked um, Shanna's segment, though, because I didn't realize how long she's been wrestling. I believe it was 13 years. Um, She mentioned that she had wrestled in Japan, and I think she was the first Portuguese women's champion if i'm not mistaken don't don't quote us but i believe Um, that's what she said and you know to me when i hear that someone wrestles in japan they're automatically more legitimate in my eyes in in terms of wrestling i Mm -hmm. i I believe so also like anytime you're invited 
even if I don't know how it works. I really don't. I'm, I'm not an independent wrestler. Well, I could be an independent wrestler, but no one's invited me to go anywhere, mm-hmm. Joey Janela. So if you'd like to square up, let's do this we shit. We did that early today. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I don't really know how it works. I know that PWG was kind of like an invite thing that you would be asked to come and perform for PWG. So I don't know if Japan is very similar to that, where they where they come and scout you and kind of ask you to perform mm-hmm. there. But anybody who goes to Japan, you expect to have a quality wrestling match. You expect to have a quality psychology wrestling match. And Shanna's been very good. Absolutely. And Big Swole is extremely athletic. Yeah, and so Shanna's uh, promo was emotional and very serious she's talking about how you know the other place told her no and you know she was struggling she was going to quit and then or you know retire and then she comes back and she's going to retire again and then you know kenny gave her the the call about aew and she's like i'm going to text you in the morning because i don't believe that this is real and it was real and um I, i just thought that was a nice bit to you know to to get to know her and to get to connect to her but then on the other side big swole comes out and she's angry and she's very intense and she's you know yelling at shanna everyone has a fucking story i faced death head on i've battled a crohn's disease i believe it was um but you know she's like you know you gotta fucking bring it doesn't matter what your story is you got it's what you do in this ring and i like her attitude i like her attitude too and they you know they were both very strong promos in their own sense and this is what i want to see on dynamite yeah as we've talked about before it's you know the women need story it's not the wrestling this is a question i'm going to pose to any any individuals out there who follow dojo and dynamite who listen to dojo and dynamite and can actually give us some feedback maybe maybe we can post a twitter uh question about this but do you think on dynamite they should take away a match and use that space to fill in significant levels of these promos. Because in order to sufficiently fulfill all of the promos necessary, you're probably going to have to take about 10 full minutes away from the card to dedicate to these promo packages or these videos. Do you think that that would be something you would prefer to have over sometimes some squash matches? I'm not talking about the Cody squash matches, but some matches that just don't look great on paper, that people may tune out to see. And unfortunately, the one that comes to mind was obviously in the first episode was MJF and Brandon Cutler. It just felt like a match that didn't really need to take place on that Dynamite show. Do you want me to give an answer to this, or are you posing you this can. to the Twitterverse? You can also give one. Um, I think in regards to the women especially, I don't want to take away their time because you can't, get better in the ring and you can't build a connection with the fans when you're not wrestling like we've seen in wwe that was the problem for so long but they definitely need more women's packages like the the brandy and kong thing was it's again fantastic and that is what how long a minute they're just doing these minute long videos like it's a hard balance because they only have two hours they can only do so much across the board but i do think um with the women especially how i feel we need more vignettes or backstage promos or you know what what we've been seeing on dark to tie it back they did a nice piece with hangman and mjf before the diamond ring match 
where they had these little promos kind of in the corner of the entrance. If you recall, when as they were coming down the ramp, they were playing a promo of Adam Page telling MJF he's going to shove the ring up his ass. And it was kind of a little bit of a promo while this was happening. I believe it was in the right-hand corner, a little square, and kind of had a promo video package that explained why MJF wants this ring, how it's valuable, how he's better than you and you know it, and then Adam Page responds and basically tells him he's going to shove the ring up his ass because he doesn't like jewelry or whatever the the premise of the promo was. But Yeah, they did that earlier. That um, was in the middle of, I believe, the segment of where their entrances were. They did that with Jimmy Havoc. They did. In an earlier episode. I think that that could help the women also. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Because the women are fine athletes. Chris Statlander was excellent. The yeah. Women, the women are very, very good. They have a lot of talent there. They do. It's just, I think the investment level is the part that people are struggling with. And the investment level can only increase with promos and stories like the undeniable package that they ran. Exactly. And, you know, you and I and many other individuals we're watching dark so we're getting that information but not uh, not everyone is no not everybody has the time to do that mm-hmm. and if people really like wrestling or they like AEW they tune in on Wednesdays whether or not they watch it live they DVR it they make sure they catch up on it and they don't always have the time on Tuesdays to check out the dark yeah so and sometimes the feeling going forward is like, hey, if I missed the dark, then I already got the other episode that played. What am I going to watch last week's dark for? Uh, that's kind happened of, to us where sure. it's it's hard to catch up because there's so much going on, not even in AEW, New Japan. If you're watching WWE, yeah. how how do you keep up with it all? You don't. And, and NWA was running on Tuesdays also. Right. So it, it becomes just everything starts to kind of counter each other. But uh, with that, thank you to J.R.J. McClure. I hope that we get more conversation pieces it's a nice segment that we run i really want to engage with the fans out there uh but we should get into our recap now yeah we'll try to keep this short because we're a few days post dynamite uh we already gave our overview or our overall thoughts of the show itself but we'll do a brief rundown the show opened with the celebration for le champion and he sold the bubbly which i I'm proud to announce I got two bottles coming for New Year's. It yep. sold out. The website crashed. I was on my computer because I was working on schoolwork. And as soon as he announced it, I went to, uh, what is it, a little bit of the bubbly.com and it immediately crashed. I believe it did. I couldn't get on. It's unbelievable what Chris Jericho can do. They announced the Inner Circle shirts and the website crashes. Pro we Wrestling Tees can't get back up. We all have Inner Circle shirts. Well, that that was kind of... Um, I was talking to you in the car yesterday when mm-hmm. we were driving back from picking up our Christmas tree. And we kind of had this conversation about Chris Jericho selling. And it's it's like, you know, it's unbelievable. All of a sudden he announces the Inner Circle shirts. Everybody has one. And it's like you think about, about like the NWO. And I'm not comparing the two, but NWO is like everybody has an NWO shirt. Even if you like the Inner Circle, even if you're a Cody fan or whatever, you kind of may have an Inner Circle shirt hidden deep in that closet that you just don't want to tell anybody. <laughs> like when the Bullet Club is is revealed and kind of becomes popular in America, everybody's got a Bullet Club shirt. Everybody's got an NWO shirt. Everybody has a Degeneration X shirt. Everybody has an Inner Circle shirt. It's kind of that thing that's going to stand the test of time and everybody's going to remember that faction uh, just by the fact of how much they've sold. Yeah. 
And it's really, it's really cool. But he sells real champagne. Crazy. And he has the celebration Thanksgiving Eve of his championship reign. It was fun. Um, I, I love the dynamic with him and Sammy G. They call themselves Lay Sex Gods. Um, that's like his bestest friend in the inner circle, it seems like, even though he's close with all of them. I, I love that dynamic. Santana and Ortiz with the Puerto Rican gift basket. Uh, Chris Jericho is now a, a an official Puerto Rican. Yeah. No longer honorary. Right? This is one piece that I wanted to kind of touch upon and say... I don't know if people are familiar with acting. You're familiar with film. You're familiar with character development. You're familiar with keeping your character real, right? And Proud and Powerful have done an excellent job. Really an excellent job of keeping themselves real. And they're going to tell you, well, we keep it real. That's what we do. And that's great. But truthfully, from an acting standpoint, from somebody who studies that, who's somebody who did study that, this is something that you can't create. You can't artificially create real. This is something that they're pulling real life things, like the sandals, like the 40. They're taking it from their life experiences. They're taking it from their culture, which I grew up right outside of New York City, so this stuff I've seen, I've seen these things, I've, I've experienced these examples, and it's it was real, it was funny it was a visceral truthful moment and i really really enjoyed that more so than maybe some others did because it's not about the comedic aspect it's about how real they kept it in the ring right there the relatability just it 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 was as real as it gets that was as truthful and people laughed at it they thought it was funny but it was truthful it was real and that's life that's culture and life and that was awesome yeah they've They've done a really nice job of just, I, mean, I can't sum it up any better, just keeping it real. It, it Wrestling can be larger than life. You have these characters, especially like back in the day. Even with, Chris Jericho right now. Right. But, you know, that gives you something to long for as a fan. Like, oh, I, you know, I want to grow up and be like Chris Jericho, a rock star, which is totally cool. But at the same time, you've got Proud and Powerful where it's like, that's in reach. Like, that's it's something real. that... Anyone can relate to in, in their own way. Like Tamatanga, he keeps yeah. it real. The guy doesn't back down. He keeps it real. He shoots his shot and keeps it real. And Proud and Powerful remind me a lot of what they do. And it, it's it's something that's really relatable, I think, for all of us. Anyone who's at home kind of saying, you know, if you thought maybe it, it's real. That's that's, mm-hmm. that's real. And that's that was a really good segment. It was really good on them, and I'm really glad... And you know what? They made the right choice, and I'm going to go back to this, because AEW is the only company that would have allowed them to be this. Mm -hmm. What they know they can do and make people look at and go, damn, that's good. These creative minds are just flourishing right now. Independent wrestling, independent film. Put the two together. Not every blockbuster film, no matter how much money it makes, is as successful with the critics or the fans or the reviews. But independent wrestling usually doesn't make a lot of money and does a really, really great job of getting those critical acclaims. This was great. The entirety of the segment, though, felt like it went a little long, even though it didn't. Felt like it went a little long. His dad came out of the box. <laughs> that was unexpected. Completely unexpected. Then we had Jake Hager, who was Oh, yeah, Hager. yeah, I forgot. Jake Hager with um, Chris Jericho, which was Funny. fun. 
um, again, you can just tell that they're all, they all seem to be enjoying themselves, which makes it so much more fun to watch on our end. Uh, then they brought in Justin Roberts, who is from Arlington Heights. Did you pop? I did. That's so crazy. So that's where I grew up. But he um, went to Buffalo Grove High School. I know. I went to John Hersey High School. So I, you know, there, a little bit of a rivalry, but I thought that was, I didn't realize he was from Arlington Heights. So I thought that was crazy, but they bring him in. Uh, then he gets beat up. Poor yeah. Justin. And then SCU arrives very anticlimactically. And I don't know if... I wasn't expecting it to end in shenanigans for some reason. I, well, that's just me. I don't know. I, they almost arrived without a purpose. They were all dressed up. Christopher Daniels loves to get dressed up. This is just... <laughs> it's Christopher Daniels. He loves this. He loves to wear masks, and he loves to get dressed up. He doesn't give a shit about the Fallen Angel character. He just wants to be everybody else. Uh, but maybe it was Scorpio Sky's head that fell off. No, that's not right. But maybe it was his mask that fell off or whatever, <laughs> because he didn't have his attire on but Kaz and Daniels did they did the reveal of who they were but Scorpio was already <laughs> Scorpio so I didn't know if maybe Oops. it fell off by accident and kind of because the crowd was chanting SCU but Kaz and Daniels pulled their masks off and they're like well, why didn't we get the reaction that we expected because Scorpio was already <laughs> revealed um, but I thought that ended kind of anticlimactically I mean I just thought that they just showed up and I don't know. The, the segment itself, I enjoyed it. There were some really, really good parts in it. If you want to break it down inside the segment by pieces, there's some A-plus pieces. There's some not-so-A-plus pieces. I'm going to give it a B-plus. I would still give it an A. I, I, I enjoyed it. Um, I thought his dad coming out was hilarious because that's just not at all what I thought was going to happen. But I, I, I enjoyed it. I, I love everything that Jericho's been doing. I feel like he can do no wrong at this point in time so um but that segment wrapped up we then had best friends versus the lucha bros another strong showing there for best friends and and trent which leads to the the fenix match next week i know that some people are a little perplexed as to why the lucha brothers are losing as much because mm -hmm. they are one of the most popular tag teams i think that the young bucks who are probably booking this are looking at it and saying, well, for six straight months, ourselves and the Lucha Brothers were the headline tag team of this company. Yeah. And now we need to start putting some other guys into positions to be the headline tag team so that when we all come together, everybody is looked at legitimate. Yeah. Like the Dark Order programs are great right now. Yes, they are. And we had a friend that basically said to us, I wish they would have done this to build the Dark Order instead of just introducing them and having them wrestle in front of everybody. I've seen a lot of people actually saying the same oh, okay. thing. Mm -hmm. I know that he said it and he goes, well, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. So that wasn't, I mean, he was a smart... Yeah, no, I, I agree because they're gold. They're, they're, they're not funny. It's just, it's enticing. Like, I'm do it. I want to join the Dark Order? I'm enjoying it. I, I think if they, I, yeah, if they would have started with it, it we might be in a different position right now, but hey, you know what? You you didn't, and now we're just going with it. But but going to the match, there was something wrong with this match, and I noticed it when I watched it, and it's, again, it's not about Pentagon and Phoenix being not talented. It just looked like they didn't care. They're wrestling in sweatshirts. They're not sloppy, but it was almost like you're working a dark match or a live event match, and I just think that they came out and just looked like they didn't care. And that's unfortunate because I thought that Trent 
and Chucky e. T and Orange Cassidy as a turkey. I thought they did they did fine, mm-hmm. but I just felt like the Lucha Brothers. They just came off to me, and this is, I'm not trying to take a dig at them, they just seemed in this match lazy, like they didn't want to do it, or they knew it was almost like, well, you know what, we're going on after this segment, we only have five, six, seven minutes. The last part of the match was fine. It picked up. It did, it did pick up, and the last part of the match was very good, but just for the whole duration of the beginning, I just, I felt like it just seemed very lazy, and unfortunately, because of that, the win by Trent felt almost like, I don't know, the payoff wasn't there. And that's kind of where I felt the rest of the night was. It was just kind of flat. Mm-hmm. It's a big win for Trent, no, but we're not to, feeling like that. Yeah, to your point, um, I think it's very important that they won because, like you said, for what the, the first half of AEW, it's Lucha Bros and Bucks. Lucha Bros and Bucks. Bangers of matches, fantastic matches. But you know, if, if they're your two top top teams, you have to ba- you have to balance the win loss record. That's why the wins and losses matter because otherwise, you only have the teams up here, and then you've got everyone else at the bottom, and there's no legitimacy. Are you going to give that match a grade? Um, a C. Okay. What are you going to give it? I give it a B minus. Was nothing spectacular, but I think. You know, it was still a strong showing for Best Friends, and it, it served its purpose in terms of the wins and losses. That match was followed up with a women's tag team match. We had Shida, uh, Hikaru Shida, and Chris Statlander versus Ami Sakota and B Priestley. Yeah, I just didn't really like this match either. This match kind of felt disjointed. It felt as if individuals were in this ring doing their moves doing their offense and then just concluding it it was like Chris Statlander came in who I like a lot she's really athletic she kind of reminds me of Big Swole where you have a person who is kind of green still but has so much potential and is so athletic to show oh they have so much they can do kind of like a I don't want to call it young because I don't really know people's ages, but kind of like an early career Naomi also, where we watched Naomi kind of wrestle when she broke away from the Funkadactyls. Mm-hmm. And it was like she had so much, you see all this potential. Like, Ooh, she's going to be good. She's got more time she spends, she's going to get good. And she is, Naomi's a, a very good women's wrestler. And it's like I see that when I look at Chris Statlander, it's like, ooh, I don't know how green she is. I'm not familiar with her in all of her work. But when I watch throughout, they go, ooh, she's got something here where maybe she's not ready for the full-time singles television wrestling yet, but she's got something here. And Big Swole, I see the same thing. Ooh, she's got something here. And I think this match was interesting the way it was broken down because it was kind of, Emi Sakura's going to get her offense in. B Priestley's going to get her style of offense in, beating out the ring. You know, mm-hmm. Hikaru Shida's going to get her offense in. Chris Statlander's going to get her offense in. Everybody looked good. Yeah, it was a strong it was a strong group of women in the ring. Yeah, but it just the match flow was completely disjointed. And that's why I didn't like it. Not because the women didn't look fine. The women looked fine. All their offense was done, everything was clean, wasn't too many mistakes. Everybody had their moments. They they met the right time. The timing was fine. It just was okay, Sheeta, you're going to do yours. Then B's going to do hers. Then Statlander's going to do hers. Then Sakura's going to get the win. 
after Statlander did all these crazy moves, Emi Sakura just wins? They were clearly going in the direction it seemed like they were going to go with Statlander getting the win, and all of a sudden, Sakura wins? But after like a, a barrage of devastating moves that should have finished the match, she gets the win on the roll-up. Yeah, I wasn't expecting to see uh, Sakura back in the ring so soon. Um, and also for her to get another win, I thought that was... She must be around now. Yeah, which, which is cool, but I, I don't know. It seemed like they were going in the direction of of Sheeta, who I believe is still number one contender. It didn't impact her too much. I but... believe they did say after this, because some people were confused that the tag team matches do not affect the singles competition for, like, title matches. Oh, okay. Uh, I okay. believe it does affect their overall wins and losses, mm-hmm. of course, but I don't know if it affects the standing for each individual in regards to their uh, ranking level in contendership for the main belt. Okay. I believe. Don't quote well, that me would on make that, sense. But I believe that they do affect them in regards to potential storyline progresses and, and things like that. But I believe in the one-on-one rankings for contendership, I do not believe that this has any effect on that standing. Overall, I give this match a C also. B minus. It, it was fine. Nothing spectacular. Again, limited story. Uh, strong showing, like you said, though everyone looked fine, but just just average. No Brandy and Kong again. Or did we see them? No. No. No Brandy and Kong, which is interesting because they're trying to sell you this compelling story. And I know that, that they like to highlight other individuals every week. So you're getting new people mm-hmm. regardless. Like we didn't see Joey Janela this week. Uh, we didn't see Sean Spears this week. But, you know, it, it's it's a it's a revolution. We're kind of revolving these people in and out. And um, But unfortunately for Brandon Kong, they have such a story-character type of combo that it's it, it's rich to watch. Like, I, I want to see compelling. that each week. Yeah, and I just feel like we... May, we'll see how it concludes. They, they've really not steered us wrong in terms of stories, so let's see how it concludes. Oh, yeah. No, I'm still interested. It's just, like, I still... I just want to see it. Yeah. Um... But after, uh, after that, we had a Mox promo backstage. Yep. I love this man so much. Yeah, I, I said it earlier to you individually, but I really believe, and I know this, there is no, but universally this guy is beloved. He, yeah. He is the true, de facto, ship-jumping, anti-establishment, everybody agrees with him type of guy. If you're a kid, if you're a man, a woman, a teenager, everybody likes John Moxley. If you don't, like, tell me, because I don't know anyone who I know doesn't some people like... that don't like his wrestling skill or style. They think okay. it's a little sloppy. I do... People do complain a little bit about that, but I, this guy's character is fantastic. I mean, he's just so alive. He... He's clearly taking the steps necessary to be the top guy. Mm-hmm. He's done so much media work. He's done so much footwork. And I mean that footwork in look at the young bucks. I mean, he's using social media again, John Moxley. He's going to all these media scrums, all these presses. He's going to the comic cons. He's going to all these events. 
This guy is gearing himself up to be a lead star, if not the number one star of AEW. And it's almost like a self-grooming type of thing. And with his wife, Renee Young, having so much experience in front of the camera, so much experience on the microphone, I'm sure... Uh, she's giving him tips on how to better handle, because we know that he doesn't like having those types of sit-down interviews socially and things. He's, he said this before. I'm sure that she's giving him all the tips and pointers, and he's done really an excellent job of all of these going forward and leading AEW into this next generation of this guy is going to be groomed for that world title. I've said to you before, um, you're, the highlight of Double or Nothing for you was Dustin versus Cody. Yeah. I'm not going to I'm not going to argue with you there but like my highlight was Mox coming out at the end. Like that's always what I go back to that was such a huge moment. Like you said he's the first he's the first rebel against WWE if with AEW and I just I love where they're taking him. This man is money. I he's arguably the biggest star in the company. If not he's definitely in the top. And, you know, he's issuing these open challenges, which next week is going to be uh, with Joey Janela. Joey Janela accepted at GCW, I believe, this past week. Yeah, and with John Moxley, with Double or Nothing just in general, it's one of those things that everybody knows and everybody is going to remember Double or Nothing. Yeah. It's going to be remembered forever. It is a legendary wrestling pay-per-view. I don't think... We've gone to this year in wrestling has been crazy for us in terms of like what we've gone and done, but I, I don't think Double or Nothing can ever be topped in terms of a live event. It's one of those things that you look in historically, mm-hmm. and you look back and you you remember everybody talks about WrestleMania 17. Right, they don't forget it. WrestleMania 17 was legendary. Mm-hmm. This is one of those shows that's going to be remembered. Yeah. And I mean that. This is a show that was legendary. And John Moxley was just icing on the cake. Oh, yeah. And it was one of those things people are going to talk about for a really, really long time. And if you haven't had a chance to see it, please check it out. And that'll be the flashback match. We'll go right here. But we won't go in my traditional flashback match. We'll do a different one. Flashback match for John Moxley. Kenny Omega versus Chris Jericho, Double or Nothing, 2019, MGM Garden Arena. Winner would go to All Out to be the number one contender and meet Adam Page for the AEW World title. What did you say to me? You go, it is Dean Ambrose. (laughs) He walks out after the match and... Jericho's thinking he's getting his thank you and cause sort of like Kenny did it in that the first episode of of Dynamite when the crowd is cheering because Mox is there and he's like you're not cheering for me and he turns around and he sees this guy walking through and he goes why are you here yep and, and you he's go, like mm. but you nudged me and you go it it's Dean Ambrose it is Dean Ambrose yeah yeah I did and unfortunately you kind of have to get the name out of your mouth, so it's, it's hard, well, and you yeah. really shouldn't be saying that because it's no, almost John like a derogatory Moxley. term I know. to him. I don't now, like but, using that name. And it was one of those things where you, you heard rumors that maybe he would go, and I think the truth is you hoped he would go, but nobody could imagine the impact that he had, and, and truly being the, the true only defector of the WWE, truly the only guy. And it's made him so much 
bigger, such a more massive star because AEW fans have taken him like, thank God. I... We have a guy, and Cody's great, Jericho's great, but it's like, oh my God, yes, we got somebody. Well, because they were already doing him. it. Like, Jericho and Cody were already, they, they were out of the WWE, so they were already doing it. I, I just, you said that to me when he walked out, and I just started screaming. But I was like, he, he did it. Like, he fucking the did it. The people in that arena collectively lost their absolute shit. Yeah. And it was a moment that I have never experienced in my life. I'll, I'll never And I don't know that. if I'll ever experience a moment like Mm-mm. that again. And it reminded me of all those legendary moments that you saw almost as a kid you never got a chance to experience. You know, right. you look back at like ECW One Night Stand 2006 and the crowd was rabid and just, just all those types of things. And it, that was a moment that I was able to attend and how difficult those tickets were getting. Yeah. And how difficult that trip was. And it was worth every penny that we spent getting there and doing that experience. And it changed everything and a whole perspective of wrestling oh, yeah. from that moment forward. And see, you know, we'll, we'll we'll conclude on this bit here. This was a fucking one minute promo. Yeah. And we just spent like how, how long talking about how yeah. great the Mox impact is. this guy has. He's yeah. fantastic. Um but so we get Mox versus Joey Janela next week in a sanctioned match. This will count for a win. I'm not going to give this promo a grade. I mean, it was it was just kind of a short, sweet segment. I, it doesn't really need... I don't want to say incomplete, but it's really not applicable. It's just kind of a... No, it's just like, who who's next? Yeah. Who's challenging me? Joey Janela. Cody returned uh, right after. We had Cody versus Matt Nix in a... A squash match. Yeah, but I like the way that they did this. And mm-hmm. I'm going to cut in. I like the way they did this because in WWE, I don't see it very often where a squash match is done between, again, Cody's not a smaller guy, but a guy who's not Braun Strowman, not Big Show, not Ryback. Right. Who comes out here and it just, to me, looked like, okay, well, you got Cody. You know he fought for the AEW world title at full gear. And you have Matt Nix, who just looks like a guy who's a, not a top tier level wrestler yet. Kind of looked like a guy who just is kind of not a squash, but you know, you watch Alabama face Georgia Southern. And you know, they tied up, they had some wrestling back and forth. It just showed that Cody was more advanced and he got the win. I really was okay with this squash. I really was. I thought it was done well. It showed that this Knicks guy could actually wrestle, showed a little bit of his talent. He wasn't just obliterated. Yeah, well, as we've said before, they've done a really nice job selecting their enhancement talent and booking the matches. Matt Nix was never going to win, but they always come out looking legitimate, I think. So that served its purpose. And then we had the debut of the blade the butcher and and the bunny yeah so i understand this segment now i don't know if they're gonna go with cody against these guys i don't think Mm -hmm. they should but i understand if this is why they decided to do this i understand it you're in chicago you're expecting the crowd to be rabid unfortunately for five straight days they've had to go to all these wrestling events Mm -hmm. which i know we're like oh it's such a burden but it's it's fun but they're worn out oh it's tiring so now you're going through another two-hour program and you know you got dark after or before i don't really know when they film it but 
you have the butcher, blade and butcher, that come out through the bottom. Now, I understand that you're expecting the crowd to boo. You got the number one baby face in the company, arguably. You have a guy who's weak, vulnerable, and you can prey on him. You got Blade and Butcher who come out, attack Cody to get almost cheap heat to allow at least establish themselves and allow themselves to be seen as bad guys who are going to do what's necessary to win matches. And obviously, Allie being paired with them, I like. When I saw this, though, I said, do we need another tag team? Right. And because the hybrid two hasn't been on television in quite some time. Mm-hmm. And so do we need another tag team? And then I saw Allie there and I go, you know what would be really cool? Is what if they're just like Allie's muscle? Yeah. And Allie's going to wrestle as the bunny, as this character. And now they're her muscle. Instead of her being the valet of the tag team, they're her muscle. And they come out with her when she wrestles one-on-one. That would be pretty cool and intimidating. She's got a whole group with her and behind her. And I think that that's something that we don't see enough in professional wrestling where a women's wrestler has the men's support Mm -hmm. in comparison to a men's wrestler having women's support. And I think if they did this role, they reversed this role, I think that would be really interesting, and I'd be definitely interested in that. But having another tag team, these guys have a fantastic look, by the way. Really, really good look. I like the way that they came out. I I said to them, said to you, how good these guys looked. This guy's shredded. The one guy's got a, a unique mustache. He's a big dude. They look tough. But how cool would it be just to reverse the role a little bit? And that would make me more engaged. No, I, I think that's a really cool idea. Um, we don't see that enough by any means. So that would definitely be a nice twist, especially with the fact that um, Allie had fallen victim to Brandy and Kong. Right. So, now all of a sudden she goes, you know what? Well, I got to get my own muscle because I got to protect myself. Right. Um, but I just, I, the segment itself was a little awkward. You know, Cody calls out MJF. Then we see the ring opening. So I was expecting MJF. Then it's not him. And I'm like, okay. I, I don't know. It just, it was a little weird. But I, where else are they supposed to debut? That's they how I They only felt. have two hours. Mm-hmm. That's how I felt. I, so. There's really no other place in the night where it could have been done. So again, it, it served its purpose. I don't think Cody needs a feud though. They don't need to feud with these guys. Cody's got a big business with MJF. And I'm sure they're going to hold off to the pay-per-view, but they got to do something with MJF. Yeah. And I don't know if they need the fans to be... They've tried to do things simple. And I don't know if they need the fans to be pulled in all these different directions to try and follow it. No, you don't want to be distracted. I'm, I'm not saying anybody's stupid. I'm just no. saying that it, you, you don't want distractions the correct word. You don't yeah. want to be distracted and going, well, I thought that they were... Now what's happening with Blade? Right, well, like, like, where's MJF? Now, why like, is Wardlow here? You know, you don't want this to be too much. Yeah, I'm with you on that. You don't want to play an extreme virtual chess game here that only people who can really understand it understand it. Yeah, I'm with you. You're great. On the squash, I, I gave it an A. I thought it was mm-hmm. good. I agree. On the blade and butcher part, uh, I give that one a C just because it just fell really flat. I understood it. And it's better than introducing them randomly as a tag team. Right. But I'm just going to give it a C. I just think the segment itself just didn't go over very well. It was kind of like the Dark Order's debut, where it didn't really get the reaction from the audience the way that they expected to get. I agree. Um, 
I think it's good to have more depth to the roster. So I mean, we'll we'll see where where this leads to, but I agree with what you said. So after that, though, after that whole segment, we kind of go to the part that I've coined the big boys play on hour two. Nine o'clock comes. We get the big boys coming. The big boys come at nine o'clock. Big boys come at nine o'clock. Yep. So hour two started with Omega versus Pac. Uh, I don't have much to say. They are putting on awesome matches. Match was great. Yeah. Um, I... really strong showing. Uh, m- my only question was, what's next for the two of them? I I do believe that Pac said that he did want to have a rubber match. Whether or not it's right now, this week. Okay. Again, it's one of those things that this is such a high-profile feud. And this is the truth. It's such a high-profile feud between two dynamic performers, very athletic performers, great wrestlers with a long history established in England, Japan, respectively. Yet we've gotten three matches, if they do another one this week on Dynamite, Mm -hmm. all within the first two months of their company. And this is main event level, pay-per-view level performance. I know. It's not an issue of the, the match quality itself. Absolutely not. each time they've stepped in the ring, it's, uh, I keep saying fantastic, but they're, they're putting on incredible matches because they're two extremely talented wrestlers. But I think this is where the roster depth comes into play a little bit. Yeah, and I think that they're establishing some of these guys, yes. and, and they're trying to raise up guys like Joey Janela. They're trying to get there. Sean Spears is trying to get there. They're trying to put them in positions where the fans themselves are looking at these guys and saying, I think of them legitimately. Mm-hmm. I think of them legitimately. I look at them in, in a strong light and say, hey, I want to see Kenny Omega versus Sean Spears. But right now, for the perception, I do. I like Sean Spears. Right. I think Sean Spears looks great. But the fan perception might not be that way yet. And they may not want to see Omega versus Sean Spears yet. We have to get there. We also have MJF, of course, coming in. Omega versus MJF would be great. But all things considered, Pack versus Omega again, if that's what they're going to go with it, I don't know if I'm ready for that immediately yet. I agree. Because we, we've had it just a lot. But all in a all, lot recently. All in all, match was great. It was a little bit rushed it felt like i don't know if the cody segment or or maybe the jericho thing right in the beginning kind of pushed it i'm gonna give it an a minus that's what i was going to give it as well very good short and sweet not a ton of offense out of pack a lot more offense out of omega obviously it's obviously omega is coming back he's working his way back into the best bout machine form he's lost his mind he's just getting started and i thought it was a very good match i agree no no real complaints. Just wondering what's next for the two of them. But then afterwards, um, we had the Dynamite Diamond Ring? match. Dynamite Diamond, as it was called on TV. I know. Did they just forget the fact that it's a ring? I don't know. <laughs> but we had MJF and Hangman Adam Page competing for this coveted Dynamite Diamond Ring worth $45,000. That Excalibur explicitly said went up in value, considering it started at 43. Right. Um, the match was fine. I thought the match was good. I, I mean, liked it. I liked the, I, again, I love the Wardlow interaction. Yep. Um, I think he's been used quite well with MJF. Um, I, I, thought, I, I thought it was a fine match. Yeah, I thought MJF looks really good. 
I mean, physique-wise, he's in great shape. Mm-hmm. So I really do think that MJF looks really, really good. Uh, of course, Adam Page, he's, he, he's the workhorse, man. I mean, he's been working every single Wednesday. I'm pretty confident he's had a match on every Wednesday. I, I may... I mean, this may go... You may have to, have to go back and take a look at it, but I'm confident this guy has wrestled every single Wednesday. He is the workhorse. He is the face of AEW in the sense of, if you look back at Monday Night Raw and you think of Dolph Ziggler. Dolph Ziggler was working every single week. Back when we first met, back in kind of that that era of time when he cashed in his money in the bank. Right, right. That year stretch to get to that point, this guy was putting on classics yeah. week in and week out, whether or not it was against guys like The Miz or if it was guys like even before he lined himself with Big E. You know, it, you're talking about the whole group. He was working Alberto Del Rio, Zack Ryder. I mean, these were great matches he had week in and week out on Monday night. And I think that Adam Page is kind of showing that same, this guy every time, every Wednesday, this guy has been giving us a quality performance and, of course, getting great television exposure and experience. Yeah, I I think it's really good for him to be in that position, uh, especially to get the fans behind him. You had made a comment that, you know, each week everyone seems to be like getting on the, the hangman page bandwagon. And I think that's fantastic because he's a young talent. I said it before, um, not on the podcast, but I think he is the future of wrestling. So I, I think it's great that he's repeatedly put in these positions, but MJF should have won this match. They, they handled that absolutely correctly. Does not make sense for hangman to win. Um, I'm looking forward to see what MJF does next with this ring. But I think the segment itself after the match was a little weird. Again, it it kind of felt disjointed. We talked about the word disjointed is the highlight of this show. It's not going to be the highlight of the episode. It's not going to be the name of the episode. But the word disjointed kind of falls into place with what I felt this show felt like. It felt like a show that was disjointed. It felt like a show that didn't make sense. It was kind of this show that you had these pieces that you were like, ah, you know, this is good, but it just missed that one element to make it a great segment. So I'm going to give the segment itself a B. I thought it served its purpose. The match was fine. And then... DDP comes out to a very big pop in Chicago, Mm -hmm. but DDP comes out alone. DDP comes out alone to present, as he called it, the AEW Diamond to MJF. They then threaten to almost beat down DDP. Nobody comes to save DDP. DDP doesn't even get beat down. DDP stays his ground and walks out unscathed. When Wardlow and MJF are supposed to be being put over as these bad heels. Yet DDP walks out the hero of this whole thing as he gets the biggest pop. Obviously, it, it, still, it still worked its own way. But now, I know that somebody specifically said, well, maybe they don't want to tie too many stories in here, right? And you have DDP come out. It would make sense if DDP's getting beat down by Wardlow to maybe have Dustin come out because Dustin right now is kind of the buffer between the Nightmare family and the Elite. So Dustin comes out, he helps DDP as part of the Nightmare family attacking MJF, and then out comes the inner circle with 
proud and powerful Sammy Guevara. They start attacking him. Then out comes the Young Bucks because they're feuding with proud and powerful. And MJF maybe kind of squeaks his way out of the ring and up the ramp because he doesn't want any business with any of these guys. And I thought maybe that segment, because again, the next segment, I'm going to roll right into it. Mm-hmm. The next segment was just Dustin calling out Jake Hager and then having the Young Bucks and Matt Jackson return to television. That felt flat. I mean, I like Dustin a lot. And of course, I mean, I like all these guys except Sammy Guevara, but it it just was a C. That was a C, C minus, the Dustin part. Not about anyone's acting or promo or story. It was fine. But I thought that was like a C minus. But if you comboed that all together, you're going to get an A segment. Yeah, I, I think the the ending segment with DDP presenting the ring to MJF and then the next segment after the commercial break with Dustin and the Bucks fighting off uh, Proud and Powerful and Sammy Guevara, which set up for the, I believe, the main event of next week's show. It's definitely a match that's happening. I don't know if it's the main event. It, it did, I believe. It's Sammy Guevara and Proud and Powerful against Dustin and the Young Bucks. Good match. It should be, should be a good match. Um, but just the two segments themselves were anticlimactic. But comboing them together, I don't think you're going to lose the fans in terms of which story is supposed to be connected. I know that they want to keep MJF away from the inner circle as an alliance, but I don't think you're going to lose the story here. Because if you send them out in the, in the particular order that they did even with Dustin's promo, the same order, but just one by one by one by one, you're telling the story of who is feuding with who. Yeah. I don't know. At the end of the day... The story still came across. You know, we know who's feuding with who, and it it furthered the the development of where this is probably going to cultivate at the next pay per view or Bash at the Beach, maybe. Yeah, again, having the pay per views quarterly, it becomes a challenge to kind of identify what we're going to go with on television, and they have to make a decision at some point going forward what type of payoff these things are going to end up with. Because there's no way... And again, I, I like the six-man tag. I've enjoyed AEW, and I, I the big fight feel, as John Moxley has said, is apparent for pay-per-view. It feels like a big fight. Mm-hmm. The ones that make it to the card are big. But eventually, I'm going to have to see some payoffs happening on television. There's only so many six-man tag main events that you can get through on a television program. I like the shenanigans... Yeah. As as we've all used that same word. I like the main event shenanigans as they're called, but there's only so many six man tag main events that I can go through or matches that may not further the story or conclude a story on television when we have what, ten weeks until pay per view? I just you gotta give us something to feed with. So I'm hoping Bash at the Beach gives us something, whether or not SCU's defending their tag titles or Rio's defending her women's world title. Something. Something. Yeah, I think January is going to be a a big month for AEW with the Bash at the Beach, with the Jarrah Cruz. Uh, New Year's, the homecoming show, should be a great lineup of matches, but we just got to get through December, which we will. But Only three weeks, though, I believe. Right, because there's no Christmas episode, No Christmas episode, so it'll be three weeks and a big, uh, big return for New Year's. So with that... With that... We have the main event, which was the highly anticipated Le Champion Chris Jericho versus Scorpio Sky for the AEW World Heavyweight Championship. 
I believe it's just the world title. Oh. Yeah, I, I know. I get confused the same way. I thought this was a good way to address it, actually. was I was confused because it's I believe it's just the AEW world title. It's the AEW World Championship. I don't think that they're classifying it in any type of weight class, maybe. Okay, my um, bad. <laughs> because I don't know if they if they kind of pre-thought ahead of time knowing that there are fans out there that for whatever reason have this preconceived notion that AEW is full of small guys. Which okay. is just, uh, okay. I okay, mean, it, yeah. besides the fact that it's just not true, uh, it's the fact that I think they were thinking ahead on that and saying, you know what, we don't want to put a category there and say world heavyweight title. We just want to call it a world championship. Makes sense. I, I didn't realize that. But so we had the main event for the AEW world championship. Again, it was another main event match that felt rushed. It it gets that way, I think, because you also know, hey, Scorpio Sky is coming out. Mm-hmm. Out comes Chris Jericho. Dasha Gonzalez, I believe her name was. Dasha? Is that how you pronounce? From WWE, she made her debut as the announcer because Justin Roberts was eliminated because of the inner circle. Mm-hmm. She has to go through the full introduction period of the challenger, the champion for the world title. So that takes up minutes. Mm-hmm. And so now you look at your clock and it's 9.48. And you go, well, we only have 12 minutes. And I, I know they say if, if it goes over, because it's still got the 60-minute time limit, that it'll carry over on social media, which would be interesting to see, but I also don't think that'll happen because that's hard to bring people over. I like that concept that, hey, we're going to have a winner. We're going yes, to have no, a winner. No, I, I do too. But I think that people would have a meltdown if it, didn't end on television and it rolled over to social media yeah i i don't know how that would go over yeah i, I would i, I mean either. we would watch it so it doesn't matter for, for sure us, but we got to get on that social media as fast as possible what are they going to take a break i no, i know um but so i that happened also with the world tag team championship match where it just it feels like we're kind of rushing to the end the match itself was fine Scorpio versus Jericho, I thought was a very good match. It was, when, especially when we rewatched it. Yeah. Um, Scorpio, again, just he's killing it every single week. This man is a huge star. He hit that TKO and the crowd went nuts. We really thought he ducks the title to the face, lifts him up into the TKO, drops him, almost gets the win. And I remember JR sitting there looking and saying, This is the underrated version underrated part of what JR brings to the commentary table is just act like you've been there before Scorpio give me this chance you have an opportunity to win the world title you have to do something now you can't allow yourself to live in this moment you have to think about your next step mm-hmm. and he sold it so well to feel like Scorpio and you see him and he's kind of selling this not this angst, but this, oh my goodness, I really thought that I was going to be the world champion. But it's okay. You have to capitalize on the next thing. You have the champion reeling. You have to hit the next thing. And, and that's what JR sold so well to everybody at home. That this is your moment, your opportunity. Don't let it be too big for you. 
And I thought the match from that point forward just really picked up. It did. Um, And as we had predicted, of course, Jericho remains champion. I have no doubt that in the future, don't know when, but I have no doubt that Scorpio Sky will be a world champion one day. I hope so. I do. I, I hope so. I I believe it because... Was a world tag team champion. Singles world champion. Yeah. In, but I in hope the so. Future. But uh, the one gripe I have with the match, to- totally I'm going to give the match an A-. Mm-hmm. Because again, there's one glaring gripe that I had. It's probably because of our New Japan experience. But Chris Jericho tapped out Scorpio Sky. Scorpio Sky was the one that was majority in control of this. Mm-hmm. Scorpio Sky tapped out without getting much in regards to his back being worked. There was not much Jericho did to hurt Scorpio's lower lumbar, even the legs, even really the abdomen. There wasn't much outside of a couple of code breakers that signaled that you would assume at all or believe that Scorpio would tap out. And that's the only thing, again, with the rushing kind of thing. They got him in, he held it for a second, didn't even kind of claw toward a rope, and just tapped. Yeah, I thought that, again, it just kind of ended. Um, I was expecting maybe a Judas effect. It makes more sense because we have a friend who does a lot of training, jujitsu and and other things, and he kind of said, you know, I really prefer to watch the Judas effect as a defensive move, Mm -hmm. as a move that you're countering the momentum of Scorpio Sky, kind of like the RKO out of nowhere type of thing. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, Scorpio, boom, boom, Judas effect. And you're you're in the crowd going, no, like I was it all out when he hit Adam (laughs) Page with it. And it was like, oh. You lost your mind. Because you didn't see it coming. Mm-hmm. And you're like, that's it. 100% effectiveness. It's over. But this is also the second time we've seen, or the second time I can think of at least, with Jericho winning a match basically via submission. Because Cody and MJF, the, the throwing in the towel, and then with Scorpio Sky. So maybe... Um, I like it, though. I mean, I like that they're using their repertoire of moves. Absolutely. And I like that the world champion has so many ways to put you away. Absolutely. It just it makes him look that much stronger. But o- overall, uh, I would agree. A- minus for the match. Um, strong showing for both men. I just think it felt a little rushed. But arguably the biggest moment of the night after the match concluded is John Moxley coming out to stare down. Le Champion. 100% the right guy. Yes. It's the right feud. It's the right guy. Also the right opponent to take the belt off of Jericho. It's time. We talked a lot about Moxley early. I think this is the right feud, the right time. And if we get to the pay-per-view in February, I think it's the right time to take the belt off of Jericho. And John Moxley is really the only guy that can do it. I'm really curious to see how this progresses. Um, I think it should happen at the pay-per-view. I think this championship match, especially with with Mox winning, should take place at the next pay-per-view, which I believe is set for February. Hasn't been announced yet, but I believe they're gearing towards February. We've just been assuming it. Um, yeah, that's just kind of my expectation. But I had said to you the other day, with the Jericho's coming up, I-, I think that Jericho should absolutely be champion on his own cruise. 
but it would be cool, especially with them filming uh, a dynamite, if you know you have Mox kind of wreaking havoc on the Jericho's, um, you know, terrorizing Jericho in the inner circle, um, crashing a Fozzy concert or something. Yeah, whatever it is. I, I just I think that could be a cool place to kind of further the, uh, further the story, even if it's not the the end of the story. But I'm definitely interested to see where they take this over the next couple months. Yeah, Moxley just coming out, if you want to grade that as a different segment, it's A+. Yeah. The crowd, again, lost their mind because everyone loves him. Um, And I think that is a big money feud that's going to happen. And that concludes the Dynamite recap for this week. Uh, Now we'll touch briefly on the New Japan World Tag League. I did some catching up on Thanksgiving to see what I've missed out on. I mean, here's the truth. The World Tag League has been hard to follow. It, it really has been. It has been, and I'm, I'm not trying to criticize anybody again, because as you've always kind of that person, don't be negative for the sake of being negative. Mm-hmm. But with the World Tag League in New Japan, there really isn't much in this at all, because their tag team division is not strong. And there is not much in this at all that's really, oh, I, I got to see this live, or I got to see this as soon as possible type of thing. And unfortunately, that's kind of where you end up. And No, I know. Um, I, the thing I love about New Japan is y- you're always getting high quality matches. For so sure. From what we've, you know, what we have watched, I'm not disappointed in the match quality itself. Yep. But as we talked about last week, um, Yano and Cabana beat G.O.D., which I went on a rant about. Yano and Cabana beat Evil and Sonata. Why? I don't know. Like, they are, they're not your champions, but that's your fucking other main tag team. And it's not like you're establishing these guys as going forward another tag team. As a new tag team, exactly. Um, At the top of the ranks right now, we have... Evil and Sonata, Yoshihashi and Tomohiro Ishii, and then Juicy uh, Juice Robinson and David Finley. I believe they have 14 points. And then uh, the second tier, we've got G.O.D., rightfully so, with Yano and Cabana and uh, Minoru Suzuki and Lance Archer with 12 points. You know, of course, I feel like it should be Evil and Sonata or G.O.D. that's winning, but... How many times can you rehash the same That's thing? That's the thing. Like, I don't want to see this match again. And maybe Juicy and David Finley, if they really want to do the David Finley thing. I'm not saying I'm a huge fan of David Finley, but, I mean, the guy... I, I, it's not a negative, because you really do have to sell well in order to be a great wrestler. He's he's a He can sell really well. Guy can sell. And when I watch the, the Juicy and David Finley combo, I don't think it's a bad team. But David Finley's gone for a long time, so for us, we're not really familiar with watching him in legitimate matches. And so when you have these two comboed together, maybe they're going to establish them. Juicy needs something to do. So Juicy's a big part of their program. So yeah. you definitely have to find him a foothold if he's not going to be the U.S. champion again while Lance Archer's champion going into Wrestle Kingdom. So maybe this will establish them. And, and this is also how you build tag teams. You know, sometimes you get that unlikely matchup or you just kind of throw a pairing together and they build that chemistry and end up taking the world by storm. And, you know, with them being at the top of the ranks right now or within the top tier of the ranks, 
I think that's that's a good assumption. It's a good thought, but at this point in time, there really are only two true tag teams. And I just feel like we're in a bit of a bind because, you know, you, Evil and Sonata versus G.O.D. is the the outcome that makes sense because they're, again, the two only tag teams. But how many times can you do the same feud over and over again? Um, I'm just repeating myself at this point, but that's just that's where my frustration lies with the the tournament itself the matches have been fine i've enjoyed the matches but they they don't have a tag division and that's what's making it right now kind of tough to follow new japan and trust me wrestle kingdom's gonna come through and we're gonna have a lot of new japan to talk about we're we're gonna have a special podcast specifically for wrestle kingdom Mm -hmm. trust me it's gonna be a, a big for dojo dynamite it's gonna be a big deal but for right now it's almost hard to get through it and I'm not trying to be negative for the sake but it's kind of hard to follow it because nothing right now for the tag team division outside of uh, G.O.D. and Evil and Sonata who I like Sonata uh, you come into that match is the only one I'm like oh yeah I gotta see this right and so uh, we've been catching up on it it's not something I got oh you know new tag league tonight David Finley and Juicy versus Colton Yano, and I'm like, okay. No, I I know. But that's going to be actually wrapping up soon. I believe December 8th is the last day of the tournament, so that's next week. Yeah, we'll have a big conclusion for that also. Yeah, we'll, we'll wrap it up there. But with that, um, I think this brings us to the end of this week's episode. Again, um... I apologize for getting this up so late. The holiday, the Thanksgiving holiday, threw us off a bit. It was a busy couple days. And then we actually were recording this yesterday when Rich's computer decided to automatically update smack in the middle of recording. And thankfully, uh, everything was saved, but we had to pick up today. It's now Sunday, uh, December 1st. Pick up where we left off and put everything back together so thank you for listening we will be back later this week with another dynamite recap touching again on the world tag league and anything else that you guys want us to talk about yeah please dojo and dynamite on twitter check us out leave us comments leave us questions and we will absolutely feature you in a segment on the show see you later this week guys thanks again